Hey everyone, Pat and Posh here. Before we start today's episode, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to the Founder Hour. If you love what you hear so far, please take a minute to subscribe and rate us in iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Also, sign up for a newsletter to stay in the loop when new episodes are released, as well as exclusive content and giveaways by going to thefounderhour.com. All right, let's get the show on the road. I'd been fighting for so long, I had no plans for what happens after. And I got a call from my lawyer one day and he was like, you've been released. I was like, wait, what? I didn't even think about what would happen when I actually got released. And so this was the first time in my adult career where like I was a free agent. I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually terrifying. Like, what do I do now? What's up, everyone? We're here on the Founder Hour, and we have an awesome guest today. Uh, I'm not going to try to, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too excited for her, but, you know, hopefully you guys are. Uh, uh, her name is Kalise Rogers, and Kalise Rogers is the founder of Bounty and Full, her own sauce line. But also, she used to be, and still is, uh, an artist and a performer, so... Khalees, thanks for, you know, being on with us. Thanks. I'm not too excited to talk to you either, Nurses. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we always like to start off kind of, you know, in the beginning stages of your career. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit about, like, how you, where you grew up and um, how you kind of got into your mu- the music business, uh, and then we can kind of take it from there. Well, I started, um, I'm from New York. I grew up in Harlem. I went to LaGuardia, um, which is a performing arts high school. I was a drama major so I used to do like all of the sort of like songs and themes and ideas that we had for like a lot of our plays and stuff and um ultimately my plan was to be on Broadway that actually never happened which I'm still pissed about but um (laughs) why didn't it happen I mean honestly like I signed my first deal at 17 so everything kind of from there took off and the next thing you know like 10 years had passed and that's what I was doing and time flies (laughs) <laughs> yes it does yes it does so so you sign your you said you signed your first deal at 17 but obviously you were preparing for that or you already recognized that you had some sort of talent that would propel your career when was that realization for you um you know what I mean I grew up in a really like my parents were super focused so my my dad was a musician but he was also a professor at Wesleyan University and my mom was a chef and she had a catering business. So I'm really split down the center with both right. my parents. But I think, I, you know, the main thing, which I think, you know, was really poignant for me was just that, like, my parents were always big on, like, nurture your natural talents. And so from the time I can remember, like, I got a scholarship for music when I was, like, two or three years old to play the violin from, um, was it from Count Basie? Was it Count Basie? Yeah. So I got a scholarship, um, no, Lionel Hampton. I got a Lionel Hampton scholarship. Um, to play the violin so I had this like tiny little violin so I've been musical my whole life so I think that there was never a time when I wasn't and so I think you know just thinking about my life like I feel like you know and being a parent now I'm like for sure I think it's definitely like there's so many things that as parents we want our kids to do but I I feel like that's less relevant than what seeing what they naturally are and kind of like honing in on that for them because that's going to make their adult life I think so much easier I'm always confused by adults that don't know what they want to do I'm like Mm -hmm. I don't understand like, mm. How do you not know what right. you're going to do? You're a grown right. up. Yeah. So I'm like, but I think I was, you know, I was born like in a family that was so kind of like, you know, like my sister's not an artist at all. And so my parents never really like, not that they wouldn't let her do stuff because she played the clarinet. 
horribly. Um, <laughs> but like, my that wasn't their focus. They like they let yeah. her do it because like, okay, cool. They kind of saw it what they were. Yeah, you know, but you that were was into never really like. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't really like. They weren't focused on like making sure words with me. They were like practice, get it together. Like this is what you're good at. You need to focus. You mm-hmm. know. Right. So I think that's really important. So, so you're two or three at this point. You're playing the violin. Um, is this? I mean, obviously at that point you don't really know what a career is, but. You know, what happens between 3 and 17 that allows you to, you know, go into the music industry? Um, well, I think then from that point, going, being in LaGuardia, being, surrounding myself with other kids who were, because LaGuardia, because it was a, an art school, like you had to audition to get in, there was a very intense audition process. So it wasn't like, oh, cute, you want to sing? Like, they were not having that. Like, so many people that come from that school today are people who we watch in films who are performing. You know what I mean? Like, these are, like, the best of the best. They're not singers? I mean, yeah, there are singers, there are musicians, there are visual artists, dancers. I mean, like, you know, it's funny, like, my husband's always laughing because, like, we'll be watching like a random movie. I'm like, oh my God, I went to high school with her. Like, literally, like, there are so many people. It bred working people in its craft, which I think is... Rare in the arts also because everybody thinks they're an mm-hmm. artist until they actually mm-hmm. have to pay mm-hmm. a bill. You know, I think that like there are so many people that I know that I grew up with in that school that really are successfully in their field in some aspect or another. And, you know, so I think that just surrounding yourself with people with like minded people, I think, is really important. So for me as a teenager, even though I didn't end up in the theater, I was trained very early on just like, you know, and, and also just how to think. I think thinking in mm-hmm. that sense and sort of like how to carry yourself and right. how to present yourself and you know at 13 like that's where I was and what I was doing I feel like that kind of and seeing other people do it and doing it because also too there's a lot of working kids that was the other thing like so you just you saw it mm-hmm. you were around it mm-hmm. so even though like being in the music business was never really my goal I think it was kind of inevitable just for me to be in entertainment because I'd been practicing and honed in on this for so long. You know, I started modeling when I was 13. I was just sort of always in that space, you know, where it was like my other sisters were not at all. Like I was always around people who were in music or in film or in theater or whatever, you know. And so I think that just sort of became my, that was my, like, that was my micro that was my society. You know, that's where I grew up. That's where I lived. So you're in high school, you know, and you're, you're, um, practicing, um, at what, what was the moment where you're like, all right, this is going to be like real, like I'm going to actually go all in on, you know, music or whatever it was at the time. Um, I think it was really circumstantial for me in that sense, the way that it happened, you know, I moved out of my house kind of early. My parents were really strict on other stuff. And so my mom was kind of just like, you know, either you're going to live under these rules, you're going to live in this house under these rules or you're not. And I was like, you know what, peace, I'm out. Because I'd been working. So I was like, I was modeling. So I was making money. I was working in a clothing store. So I, I was like, I was chilling. So I ended up like, you know, after much like deliberation and all the other stuff that I was doing, I ended up eventually getting my own apartment. So I was in high school in my own apartment. So that kind of you know, tip the scales a bit. Mm. And then um, I think really it was just like when I graduated from high school, I was already working so much. Like I had already met with the Neptunes. We were already down in, in Virginia. And like it kind of was just a natural progression. It kind of felt like, well, I can't really afford college. If I was going to go, I wanted to go to NYU. It was sort of like, well, you know what? Like I got offered a deal. Like, you know, I was just like, well, let me just see what this is. I never really had... And again, because I grew up, even though I grew up in an artistic, like, household, I didn't grow up, like, 
the world was so different then. I think that like, and you shut up, don't start talking about age. <laughs> but like, <laughs> nurses like to talk trash. Um, but about her age, yeah, all the time. She's <laughs> retarded. But anyway, so um, I think really for me, it was it was. The goal, like, I didn't know what this could be. I had no idea of what this could be. My uh, my examples of artists, although I saw a lot of successful, what I thought were successful people, no one was, like, rolling in dough. Like, there was no, like, you know, it was really, like, when I went into high school, it was 93. When you look at, like, music and what was happening at the time, like, there was such a, there was such a, it was a real turn of, like, everything changed at that point. It was, like, a forward, like, eight-year period where I feel like everything really, like, boomed. Mm -hmm. Artists were making, and especially black artists, black artists in this country were making more money than we'd ever made. Yeah. Um, budgets were astronomical. Mm -hmm. You know, when I look at, like, what my budgets are now versus what they were back then, it's a joke. Like, yeah. literally, like, I didn't have one video less than a million dollars. at, Like, not even. It was, like, unheard of. They were like, yes, more, give her more money. Give mm -hmm. it more money. Like, more money. Like, it was just... You know, so I didn't even know what could happen. Like, because before that, everything I saw was just like, really, you know, women on Broadway. And my dad was a jazz musician. And they were really successful because they were top of their game, top of their craft. But their money wasn't the same. So it didn't look the way that it looks right now. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. they were artists and they were struggling. But it was like amazing that you could be an artist and actually like make a living. Like, that was yeah. so cool. Yeah. You know, like no one ever thought, like, I didn't think about being rich or like, yeah. or it was even like always a side hustle or something. It was kind of just like, you just, you struggle and you do it because like, you can't do anything else and it's for mm -hmm. the love and the passion. Mm -hmm. That's what gave the credibility to it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to, there was no Instagram and there was no YouTube and right. that stuff didn't yeah. exist. So it wasn't, the ideas of being like, you know, it was kind of just like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm working, I'm 17. I've lived it on my yeah. own for a year now. Like, my, what are what are my other options? I'm right. getting offered, you know, something to do that's cool mm -hmm. that I like to do. So that was really how everything started. It was never like my goal. Like now, people are like, "Oh, what kind of advice do you have for me to get?" I'm like, "That's crazy to me." Yeah, you know, yeah. like that didn't happen different. back then. It wasn't like that. I mean, nowadays, like you know, back then, like you had no idea if you looked at a big artist that was like on TV all the time, you had no idea what their life was like because you didn't no know. Clue. You're like, oh, this this person is in a different league. Like, you know, right? They, you know, it felt I have unattainable. No yeah, exactly. Really now did. it's like you, you follow people on Instagram and you see their every day. No, it's, and it's crazy. Like, Everyone's a human being. Well, when I signed, you know, I was 17, 18 years old, and like I remember they're like, oh well, you know, like here's Lenny Kravitz and here's D'Angelo, and they're signed to this label that you're signing to, and I was like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. how does that even happen? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was never like, oh, well, someone's going to write me a check to do what? Mm -hmm. I've been singing for free my whole life. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, it was never really, like, I, I had no idea what was going to happen. Kalisa, so you are obviously, you know, very talented. Even at that point, you recognized those talents and you weren't trying to, you know, make a business out of that. But, you know, were there any mentors that guided you and said, you know, this is something that you should not only be doing, but this is something that could be very lucrative? No, we were raped and pillaged from day one back then, for sure. Like, there was no, like, and especially as a female artist, there was, it was so male-dominated, and there was, like, there was, like, one woman executive that you knew of that had any real power, and that was mm -hmm. Sylvia Rome, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, and not to say that they didn't exist, but just, like, how now, like, there are so many women. They weren't accessible. Like, not Yeah, not at all. Not the way they are now. And it definitely, especially, too, because just, like, media wasn't what it was. If they were there, it was, like, stealth. It was very quiet. It wasn't, like, you know. So, for me, as and, and on top of that, I think as an artist, no one presented this as, like, this is your business. You are your business. No one ever said that. And, mm -hmm. it, and it's an obvious statement now. 
But at 17 years old, 19, you know, 97, 98, like, you had no idea. So there was no one that was like, let me guide you. Mm-hmm. Everyone was really more like, she's young, she's talented, let's get as much as we can. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. It's like I was a special case. It was everybody. Like, everyone was out there just trying to get it. And it was, like I said, there was so many, there was so much money to be made, but it was still kind of, it still kind of felt like crabs in a barrel. Mm-hmm. So it was very, like, all the men around me were just trying to get theirs too. And no one knew how long this was going to last. No one knew that we would have 20. I mean, the idea that it's been 20 years, you know, I'm 38 now. Very proud of it. Thank you. You know, and the fact that I can look back and really talk very distinctly about my 20 year career and thank God I've never had to take another job. I mean, like that's epic. We never, I never thought of that. Like I never in my mind thought like, oh my gosh, this is going to be my life. You know? Kind of talk about that point because I feel like, and this is not a knock on the music industry, but I feel like nowadays um, there's been a huge shift to going indie because um, this whole kind of like selling your soul to the industry and you're you're kind of under their wing. And then once they're done with you, they're done with you. And now you have like, you know, you've hopefully developed a brand to be able to capitalize on it. But um, a lot, a lot of people just end up kind of whittling away. So um, how how did you kind of... um, I guess, navigate that in your, in your career or like early on, especially? Um, I mean, I think that like, well, to be honest with you, this is one of those things where like different than today, the business has changed so much that like back then you either had it or you didn't. Mm -hmm. And so it became less a matter of how do I capitalize on this and more a matter of everyone wasn't as accessible. So it was like, if you, you know, I got signed, there was nothing else like me for another 20 years. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like now chicks are like, oh, she's like a little Khalees. That didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like there was, it was Khalees and that's it. And then there was some other chick who was nothing like Khalees. Like it took a very long time. So it wasn't so much about like capitalizing. It was really just like either you had it or you didn't. And as a result of that though, there was this sense of like, I was always shocked when I got re-signed. I'm like, oh, I guess they're still going for it. That's amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how does this happen? I think really, though, it was more so, it's trial and error, I think, more than anything. Like, Because like I said, there was never, you know, my first deal, I can't remember how much I got, but like, it was more than I'd ever seen. Yeah. You know, and like, there was no one there that was like, hey, this is what you should do with all of this money, 17-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just like, well, we paid you. Like, now you've got to deliver. So yeah. it was really like, try, you know, you after you just got to figure it out, you know, and like you kind of have to figure out like how this works and how, how to stay in this space. And for me, it wasn't so much about how to stay in it, but it was really just like, I think the world was so different, you know, like I was creative. I knew what I was from early on, I think as a result of my upbringing. And so it was really just kind of like me staying consistent, you know, and just, they kept signing me. So I kept putting out music, you know, you know, 10 years went by. Kalisa, at this point, you're still in New York. Yeah, I was, I was in New York really up until, officially up until eight years ago. Really, really, really. And really even more so up until like four years ago, um, I was still in New York. I always had a, I had a place out here in LA because they started, you know, slowly the whole industry started migrating from New York out to LA. But like, I had a place here, I would come out here, I would work and I would go home. You know, you know, I'm always curious about you know artists and how they are their own business, really. And I think that's something you touched upon. But how did you treat it like your own business? How did you treat it like you know the owner of the brand? You know, you are obviously the talent. It doesn't exist without you. But there's also many pieces around you. Whether it's those that are managing you, those that are helping out with a PR, or you know, getting these events. How was you know? So your role kind of shifts, obviously. 
but how did you deal with that changing uh, role of not only artist but also brand? You know what? I think that that didn't really become a real issue like up until about mm, let's see, probably about like seven eight years ago. I think before that you were treated, and again as a and I and I'm so not the person to like whine about. Be, listen, my life has been fantastic and I've had a wonderful career and whatever, but if you're really going to be genuine and honest about it as a female artist, like you get handled with kid gloves all the Mm -hmm. time. And like, people just assume that like you're temperamental or that you're emotional or that you can't, you know, so people are constantly like doing these things around you. And it's not until you really wake up one day and you're like, hold on a second. Why are we doing this this way? This actually doesn't make any sense for who I am at all. And then you get pushed back because they're like, we've been doing this without your input (laughs) for so long. We would prefer you just shut up. You know, and so I think that, like, it wasn't up until probably, and I think that really, I think it really hit me. It had to be around 2007, and that's because I had a conversation with Barry Weiss, who was, at the time, the CEO of Jive Records, and I remember we were in Denmark, and we were at some award ceremony, and I like had to like track him down because he didn't want to have the conversation with me. So essentially I was stalking him (laughs) and um, I had to track him down and I was like, yo, like what's up with my record? And it was really because I felt like, you know, this was during, so this is 2007. So Khalees was here, had just come out. It was, Bossy was my single. It was one of the biggest singles of the year. Um, Great song. Thank you. And it was right when the music industry really started to change. So think about it. The economy started to change around like 2008 right. and everything Right before the hell. crash, right. Right before that. So everything it started, started to take a slight shift. Mm-hmm. And as artists, we didn't feel... And it's funny because it's so crazy. I remember having conversations with people in 2010 and being like, yo, thank God it hasn't affected us as artists. It took so long for it to hit. It right. was like these tears of like... Yeah. You know, of businesses that mm-hmm, got affected. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. took years for us to really, for it to really touch us. It was probably even after 2010 where we were like, yo, okay, okay this is actually affecting. It was probably 2011, 2012 where you saw it, you started to see it really affect the music business for us financially. Like where I can really say, wow, I really see this being a difference. By 2007 is when I noticed that I had to start taking control of things. And it was because here I have one of the biggest records, female records of the year, and I can't get any more money out of my record label. And I'm like, yo, what's up? And it was right when, and it was because of all the stuff that had happened, you know, like all from right before that, the illegal was, music downloading was huge well, back then. Like, exactly. You know, like LimeWire, FrostWire. Yeah. Everything started to affect it. So it's funny because I remember being like, yo, what's going on with my record? And Barry Weiss, the head of Drive, looked at me so distinctly and he said to me, I really don't care. He's like, we made one point. He says, and the record had just come out. He's like, we had sold, we sold 1.6 million ringtones on Bossy alone. I don't give a crap about your record. Ringtones were like, big. I remember Soldier Boy song. No, it was like, huge. It was, it was like the number one. No, it was yeah, huge. I was like, which insane. one was that? Superman. It was huge. Yeah, that one. Yeah. You know, we had made. He, they felt like, and the thing is, I, but because of the way that the nature of the business was, I didn't see any of that money. Oh yeah, right. Because there was no, there were no rules for that yet. Like who no was licensing? Anything no, like who that. was really organized? You know, so it was like, so the record label was getting it, and he was like, we sold 1.6 million ringtones. And this is just the beginning. He's like, I don't care about your album. Mm. Album, your album. He's like, don't care. Not interested. So I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Hold on. That sucks. Because chicks are coming up to me like, look, you're my ringtone. And this is happening every hour of the day. I'm on, you know, like literally at the gas station and someone's phone rings and it's me. 
You know what I'm like? But yet I'm not seeing a penny. I'm like, wait, hold on. This is a problem. Like, we need to figure this out. And my management didn't care. No one cared. They were, everybody was just, it was so, it was happening so fast that no one was keeping up. That's when I realized, okay, wait a minute. This is a problem. And they obviously like, don't. I need to figure this out. And they obviously don't care because they're making well, the they're money. Well, they're making money, yeah. Right, right. At that point, you're just kind of like, you know, doing, at that point, I don't even know how to put this, but like, you're just basically doing the work. No, you're going through the motions too. You're like an intern at that point. No, you're just doing sure. all the work for them and seeing nothing in return. No, absolutely. And they, they've been so used to that. While the music industry is changing, you know, they're adjusting to the best of their ability, but they don't really know how to adjust yet either. Managers don't know how to adjust. Then they start introducing this thing of 360 deals, which to me was, you know, it sounded great, but I wasn't a new artist. So for me to do a 360 deal, which basically just means that like now, whereas before, again, everything progressed according to what the world was doing. So like an album, you know, if if an artist got signed for an album, it was like you get signed for one album and let's say you get an option for six. That's Mm -hmm. what they were doing, which was insane. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like real estate. No, it's, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's rape. You know, they're raping you. They're setting you up to fail. No, I mean, full on. And then they're giving you more money. They're giving you so much money up front too. And you don't know. You're just like, I'm, oh my God, that's amazing. You're going to give me I've never seen this much money before. It's insane. Like, that's crazy. Sure. I'll take it. That's amazing. You know, you have no control over your marketing budget. So they're telling you your marketing budget is going to be another million dollars. You're like, that's amazing. But some jackass who really doesn't have a clue and doesn't care has a relationship with this person. So now they're going to put all their, they're like, oh, this sounds like a great idea. We're going to put, you're like, this is crazy. So all this is happening. 360 deals sounded like a good idea because they're like, okay, well, now everything, we'll take care of everything, but now we get everything. So whereas before merchandising belonged to you, they're like, nope, that's us too. Touring belonged to you. Now they're like, mm, we're going to take a piece of that too. We're going to help you with everything, but we're going to take... So like you just didn't... They, you know, they get everything up to a certain amount, and then after that, you in get to... Theory, in theory. Yes. It, but it's, it's not that way. It's well, it's that if, if the margins are unrealistic, if they're like, okay, yeah, we yeah. only get this much, but you have to sell 10 million records, but now it's a financial freaking catastrophe in, the, yeah. in this country because yeah. it's physically impossible. Now you now have sold your soul, literally, and, mm-hmm. and they're like... But we, t- we told you ahead of time, and now you're going to... You're like, what? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. But you're busting your ass. You're working literally 365 days a year. Something's got to give. And they don't care. And then on top of that, now they're like ringtones. So now they're not promoting your album, which they promised to do. Right. But they're like, but we but ringtones was not part of the deal because you had no idea that even was something that existed. Mm-hmm. It's like all the, it's like this snowball effect of disaster. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like they're kind of making it up as they go along. <laughs> well, everybody was. We all. But were. you're kind of the one suffering as a result. For sure. Well, like and then new things are popping up, and they're like they can't right. keep up because it's like all right now it's like mm-hmm. people are using your song on YouTube, and mm-hmm. it's like well how do you monetize that? Yeah, exactly. How do you monetize? Like no concept of. I mean, now that I think about it, the iPhone came out. Was it around 2007, 2008? So this is literally oh, around that, t- literally around that time. But you know, things such as I mean, I'm pretty sure iTunes and all those kind of platforms did exist, but not at the, not at the scale and not, not at the, the level that they, they are now. Not at all. People were still going to buy an album. Right, right. Like I was still. Our laptops still had CD players. Right. People cared about, and, and the other thing is because the media was so different, people cared about an actual record. Right. So when it came, so the idea of so when, to answer the question very long way, but to answer the question. You know, when do you start to realize, like, how do you capitalize, how do you monetize on, how do you make yourself your business? It's so far gone after the fact, because had anyone said that from the beginning, you would have never signed the deal to begin with. Right. You're like, this is actually a horrible deal. Right. Even wor- best case scenario, it's a bad deal. Do you know what I mean? Like, on, in the, on the best of terms, it's not a good deal. So you're like, okay, well, how do you do this? Now you're really trying to backtrack and sort of just not bleed out. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, how do I make this so that at least there's some 
it actually is a business because it, you know a lot of times you're like this is, they're calling it a business it's mm-hmm. not really a business business right. means we're making money <laughs> business means I'm right. working and there's a check coming right you know so like by 2007 really it was the it was that conversation with Barry Weiss that hit me that made me realize wait a minute okay hold on let me this is changing faster than I am and I need to figure out how to make this work and it wasn't and really because it was so jacked up that's when I went to culinary school. So um, kind of go back to, real quick to that situation. Like, what were your options? Because I know, for example, like um, like a Lupe fiasco, right? Like, he's been in that situation before where, um, well, according to him, like, you know, he got into it with the label and he didn't want to listen to them. And, you know, he kind of backed out and, um, you know, that they essentially like almost tarnished his reputation. Like, is that something that you, you saw happen at all? Like, maybe not with you, but just around the industry? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. you kind of, like, left in the dust where it's like, I can't even go do it myself now because... Oh, have, no, I mean, they've... Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what ended up... So what ended up happening was my third album, my third studio album came out. It was... Khalees was... No, 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 actually, sorry, it was Tasty that came out. Tasty came out. That was right when L.A. Reid had gotten... So L.A. Reid signed me personally, and then when he got let go and everything kind of collapsed... They took all of the artists and they sort of like traded us. So we had no say. So here you are. It's like, it's like being, it's like an arranged marriage. It's like, you know, you're now put on a label that would have never signed you had been given a choice and you would have never, you wouldn't even have approached, you wouldn't even have dated. You would have never gone there. This is not your type. It would have never worked out. This is a horrible situation. Now you're stuck in like the biggest relationship of your life. And they don't care. And they, and they hate, they're like, we, we actually, we agree that we hate each other, but yet there's so much money that's been spent. We can't. Break up. Gotcha. Yeah. No one. So I put out um, Tasty. Milkshake had come out. Milkshake hit number one. It was number one for 16 weeks on the charts, which at the time was unheard of. The only I feel thing like was, it's still number one. Like it's you, number one in my heart. In, in, it's a heart. in my heart, it's number one. It's, it's number one in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, so you know, it was it was a huge record, and then all of a sudden, everything falls apart, and then I get signed. That's when I ended up having to go over to. Um, to jive mm-hmm. with LA, I'm sorry, with um, Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss, at the time, when you look at the label, they had freaking InSync, Backstreet Boys, R. Kelly, and Britney Spears. I mean, God bless them all, they're great, but like, I did not fit there at mm-hmm. all. It was like right. the worst case scenario for me. So he's like, yo, I hate her. And I'm like, yo, you can go kill yourself. Like, we <laughs> hated each other from day one. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. And I was fighting to get off. So I literally fought for four years to get off. He kept saying, no, 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 no. And it was because they had just let go of CeeLo and literally they let go of CeeLo and like two weeks later, Nars Barkley drops and changes the world. And mm-hmm. like, they were like, well, we're not making that mistake again. Yeah. So they wouldn't let me go. And he literally told me, he's like, well, we just let CeeLo go and look how well that went. And I was like, great. So now I'm being penalized because, I mean, I love CeeLo, but like, I was just like, I mean, I, like, I love Nars Barkley like, too. That crazy song. I remember that no, crazy song. Album. That was 10 years ago? But 11 the point, years ago? Yeah. But the yeah. thing is, he was, we were, he, we were all part of that same Group. slave trade situation and like, they let him go because they were like, we don't care. They knew. They were like, oh, we don't want him. Yeah. Goody mob. I mean, like, in that case, he, that. The, the, they got the short end of the stick there. I mean, Well, they got well, they were furious because they not only lost the money, but then this freaking brilliant record comes out that they didn't believe in, that they didn't want any parts of. Right. And then they look stupid. Right. So yeah. then they're like, well, we can't let you go now because look what just happened. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, you say what happened after that. I fought for four years and I was forced to put another album out against my will, which I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when Khalees Was Here came out. And that's why when I finally, you know, put out Bossy and I ran into um, Barry Weiss and he was like, well, we don't care. 
That was after years of, I mean, full on. We were in there's a, a there's a story war. behind this. Oh yeah, yeah there yeah, was yeah, a, yeah. we were like we were in a war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I used to live three blocks from the office of the label, and I would just walk over there every other day and be like, "Hey, is Barry in?" And his assistant would be like, "No," and I'm like, "It's a frosted glass window. I see him." And she's like, "He's not available." I'm like, "But I see him." Like so, it was literally like, <laughs> it was just a disaster. It sounds like a TV show. I mean, oh, it was a your nightmare. Broad, your Broadway dream might come true. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's not too late. You know. uh, I think I've talked about this with you before, um, and I know that you've written most of your songs, but what was that process like for you as a song, not only a singer, but also a songwriter? Uh, I think that that's obviously a big part of the song and the music that you're putting out there. But, you know, what goes through your head or, you know, what is happening when you are writing or that were writing these songs? I mean, I think whenever writing, there's always, you, you always have a eureka moment. I think with creative people in general, I feel like, there's a there's a moment when you feel most genuine and sometimes they're you know closer together than others and sometimes they're really few and far between but i think those moments of your genius are when everything comes together and everything seems right you know and it's like i think for me writing it's always been when i'm a little bit scared it's like it's a little bit nerve-wracking mm -hmm. it's a little bit too genuine it's a little bit too vulnerable it's a little bit too honest or too spot on. It's scary. You're like, like, oh, I don't know. You know, and that's always been the moments when those have been my best moments. It's always been my most creative moments and my most, I think, most vulnerable moments when I'm when I'm at my best. You know. So you're going through the you know this this ride of like being a musical artist. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the transition to culinary school and and why you decided to go that route. Well, you know, it's funny. Like every time I do an interview about this, people always ask. Like there was never a point when I said like. I, you know, like I'm transitioning or like, I think it was just like me as a person, I was exhausted and I think I just needed a break. And like, you know, it was after I'd been fighting for over five years with my label and I was unhappy and I'd put two albums out with this company that hated me and that I hated, you know? And so I'd been fighting for so long, I had no plans for what happens after. It's like, you know, when you go through a bad divorce, you're just like, gotta get through it. You know, like the, you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I got a call from my lawyer one day, and he was like, you've been released. And I was like, wait, what? Well, I mean, I've been fighting full on, I'm talking about full out war for years. Like, the idea of, I didn't even think about what would happen when I actually got released. To the point where you have a moment of panic, because, you know, I'm 27 years old, and I've been signed since I was 17. I've been signed my entire adult life. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you know, there's a level of like, you know that they're screwing you day in and day out. But there's also a comfort in it right. knowing that like... You still have a job. Like I'm still getting paid. Yeah. You yeah. still have a job. Yeah. yeah. And so this is the first time in my adult career where like I was a free agent. I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually terrifying. Like, what do I do now? You know, and you've been fighting for so long, there was no plan. And literally, I think, like, from that point, it was a few days that went by, I was just watching TV, and this commercial came on for culinary school, and I was like, I'm going to do that. But did you always kind of have that in you? Like, you always, do you always, like, love food, or did you grow up around food, or was it just kind of off a whim, like? Well, no, my mom, my mom had a catering business, and my mom was a chef, so I definitely, like, I grew up around food and great food, and food's always been a huge part of my family. But going to culinary school was always, to be honest with you, it was always something that, like, it's like, 
this is funny because I always use this as a reference and my husband's like a photographer, but I, it's like, you know, I'm going to take up photography one day or gardening. It's like, it's a hobby that you'll do later on. It's not something that you really like, yeah, one day I'll go to culinary school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when I'm like 70 and like, you know, <laughs> I've done everything else. I never thought that I would actually like really do it, but it was such a like, it was such an impulsive mm-hmm. thing. I was like, I'm going to do that. I was... Like, I don't even know what came over me. I just was like, I had no, it was no like plan. Like, oh, when I get it off this label, I'm going to go to color. You know, I literally just like, I got off. I had a moment of like, oh my gosh, that's scary. And then this commercial came on and I was like, I've never had free time. I'm going to go. Like, I'm going. And I went and it was the literally best choice of my life. Like, best thing I've ever done. So fun. And this isn't France or you're No, here. well, the funny thing is when I was in, I was living in London from 2001 to about 2003, kind of on and off, because I was signed to Virgin, so it was my, the UK was like my base, because mm-hmm. I was touring consistently. Right. And so like I would go and I would take classes and I would, you know, do little courses here and there, but nothing full time. Okay. So when I actually decided to go full time, I went here in California. Um and yeah, I didn't even know that there was one here. Like I had no, I, there was no planning involved mm-hmm, in this. Mm-hmm. I literally just was like, oh, wow, I'm going to do that. Like I'm going to try it. And then, you know, when I called, I was like, well, what's the process? And they were like, we start a new session on Monday. This was a Friday. I was like, okay, okay, I guess I'm going. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It, like the, I had no time to like rethink it. It was like, you're Which is kind of good, I guess. No, it was like, great. Yeah, I'm probably, so glad. Yeah. I mean, now, so glad. now it's good. I mean, it could have gone really bad if, For you know, sure. I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to decide to change my entire lifestyle. Great. But did you ever think like if you kept going at it with music, like you would have obviously gotten re-signed somewhere and tried to do something with that? Or was it kind of just like, I've had it, like I've, I've done it and I'm kind of sick of it. I mean, I still want to do it, but um, I kind of want to try something different. Like what was going through your mind? I mean, you know what? I think like, and I, I always say this, I think that with most people that are self-driven and like kind of self-made you I don't I never really operated off of like what if this doesn't work do you know what I mean like even like when I graduated from high school like my best friend who's a beast like she's a financial analyst like she went to NYU she went to Stern and like I remember her dad who was a school principal was like what's your plan B Khalees and I looked at her and I was like what like I don't have a plan B like this is it you know it's like you know success or bust like that's you know like I think most people are are most self-made people I think you kind of have to be like that you know it's like you're just wired that way yeah I think you have to be and I think you see that you know if you especially with you guys I'm sure there's a pattern with when you interview these people that have you kind of it's like and listen who said it I think this is like ridiculous but I think Madonna said it she was like you can't expect people to you can't expect people to see your creative vision when you see it. Like, it's not logical. It's not a logical thought. Right. When you have an outlandish creative idea, I can't tell you and be like, and you'd be like, yeah, you right just get away. It. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, right. you got to do it and you have to make it come to fruition first and then people jump on the bandwagon. Right. And that's how it's always been. I couldn't expect, and I never expected anyone to be like, oh yeah, sure, you're, you don't have a fallback plan. You don't have a plan B. Like, you're just going to do it. And even with the music, it, you know, that's how I always was. And then when going into food, I'm going to give it all I've got. And, you know, it not working is not really an option. So, like, we're going to make this work. And it's going to... I work hard. So, for me, at the end of the day, too, it was always just like, this is something I want to do. And I'm going to do it. The thought of it not working is not even really a factor. You know, it's kind of just like, 
this is what we're going to do. And it's not even something where you have to say like, oh, I'm not going to do music anymore. I'm going to transition. This is all who I am. Like that's how other people process your information. That's not necessarily how I have to process in order to do what it is that I do. Yeah. And if you have like passions, like you're never going to like quit those just because something else might come along. Like you can't, so, and you've been balancing it pretty well. So like, tell us a little bit about how that's been balancing music. Cause you still make music. Um, and you, you've made music ever since that point. So how have you been kind of balancing the two and, and how's it been? Well, I mean, the beauty of this is that, you know, 20 years now down the line, like I've made my bed and I lay in it basically. Mm. So like, it's kind of like my schedule is what I want it to be. And my time is, you know, I, I can deem things as important as they need to be. There's nothing that like, if I feel like recording, I record. If I don't, I don't, you know, if I'm going to go and do an event with food, I do it. If I'm not going to do it, you know, there's nothing that's like, and it sounds very lackadaisical, but it is 20 years of putting time and effort into something that now the music is kind of on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't have to solidify. It's funny because it's interesting. Actually. I remember the first like three albums of mine, the arguments that I would have with my label and them being like, well, this album is nothing like this album and this song is something like this song and how are people going to know who you are? I've been consistently inconsistent for 20 years and so now I don't have to do anything. Like I can, no one looks at me like I'm great. If I came out and decided that I was going to do like, Become a high school principal. I mean, literally everyone's like, that's her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I've, I've, I've earned that right at this point. And so it's harder that way. I will say for sure. It's definitely, it it is not the easiest thing. And it's not as palpable for people to digest. People need to be spoon fed everything consistently. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, I've put so much time and effort into it that now I, with the food thing, people were kind of like, huh. Okay, interesting choice. And kind of people just sort of went with it. And because the music is, I don't have to prove myself anymore. If I put a song out, I put a song out. If I perform, people show up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what but I so mean? like, how does it work? Do you just like hit someone up and be like, hey, let's make a song together? Or do they hit you up? Or is it kind of just like, do you have to put in the work too much to go to them? Or is it more like, um, you know, if, if it's a kind of like a, a talent agency casting for a movie or something that they know? No, who they're, no, you know no. I mean? For music, I think it's a little bit different. And like I said, because it's 20 years now, even like, even the, the kids, like the young producers that weren't even around when I was coming up, they know your body of work. And so, yeah. Like, like for example, nothing. Calvin Harris is a song. Like, how did, how did right. that happen? Like, tell us Well, Calvin know. Harris happened because, like, his manager, before he ever came out, like, I remember sitting down with him and he wanted to produce and he wanted to do stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. he really was sweating me, basically, and was like, you know, I want to do this and these are my ideas. And I was like, oh, he's, he's this super talented kid. And, like, his manager was like, you got to meet this kid, you know. And, like, he and then his manager ended up managing me. And so, like, that's how that happened. Mm. Um, I, I was still surprised. When I found out that you were on that song, I was like, I've heard that song so many times, but I didn't know it was you. Okay. And until I, I think, and I, I don't know when I heard it, I was like, it's like, that sounds so much like Khalees. And then I looked, I'm like, oh my God, it's Khalees. I, I had no idea, well, which was pretty go. cool. Um, my, sorry, my, my situation like that was the ODB song for a long time. Well, that I happens to a lot of people. I didn't know that was you. And then, then somehow I just found out. I was like, that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, it was well. Because the music video was kind of like weird too. It was like, it was like a lot of like older videos and put well, together. Yeah, it was so because you weren't in it, like you and you and he weren't in it a lot. So it's like, right. Well, he had, yeah. ju- I feel like had he just passed away. I think he had just passed away. I can't remember. Or they couldn't get him. It was something like either he had just passed away or they couldn't get him and they weren't sure if they were going to do the video. And actually, Sylvia Roan was pissed off because she had just passed on me. 
No, this is actually, this is true. So Sylvia Roan, um, we I remember <clears throat> Pharrell and Chad and I had taken my three song demo to her um, and to we took it to her to... Uh, and which song is this for? Well, this was for... Well, hey, the, the old DB, he was signed to um, Elektra, which mm-hmm. is what she at the time was president of or CEO of, president of. And um, she had passed on me. And so when Caught Out There, which was my first song, had come out, and then um, Hey Dirty Got Your Money came out, she didn't want to put the, like that label, she didn't want to put the money to promote me into that song. So it was kind of like a weird video because like they didn't want to put the budget up for Mm -hmm, it. And mm -hmm. like, you know, so they had all these weird clips and like he was either, I know he was impossible to work with, he was either impossible to work with or he had just passed away. I can't remember exactly what era that was, but... Basically, that was the whole thing, so that's why the video is strange. But yes, yeah. that was like my first, like, I was literally 16 when I recorded that. Yeah. Wow. Khalees, before we uh, talk about, like, food and how, you know, that's now playing a bigger role in your life, what would you say was one of, you know, I'm sure there's so many memories, but what's one of the memories that has stood out to you as, you know, an artist in your 20 plus year music career? moments that stood out um and maybe why they stood out not maybe and maybe they're not something that you know we might find super interesting but something that you were like you know truly whether affected by or you're like wow you know that's that's awesome or maybe the opposite effect of that i mean i remember i i, I always use this as a reference because this has been really poignant for me i remember standing out in front of a crowd um i was the first black artist to ever perform in this space um, it was where Hitler used to actually hold all of his rallies. Jeez. And this was in Nuremberg, Germany. Mm-hmm. And I remember them telling me, they were like, you're the first black artist to ever perform. And I was just like, no pressure. And I was about 18, 19 years old. And I was standing out in front of a crowd of, I don't know, maybe 20,000 kids. And I remember thinking, like, how is this happening? Like, number one, looking at my dad, my dad was one of the most talented men I've ever met, and I don't think that he ever really had that moment like mm-hmm. I was having. Mm-hmm. And then I also think, here I was, this girl from Harlem, they're telling me, I never had these aspirations. So not only, they're, you know, it's the way to, they're saying you're the first black artist to ever perform here. Um, where is here? That's crazy. And then just the fact that, like, I'm looking out at a sea of people who look nothing like me. Mm. And, like... It was a little bit terrifying. I was just like, this is crazy. Like, how did this happen? And why is this happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. to fast forward, I remember standing on stage a couple years ago and looking at this crowd and kind of having a moment of real, like, wow, this is crazy. Like, it sounds really, like, you know, grandiose and whatever, but, like, I know that there's a group of people that I raised, you know, that, like, that raised up with me and that, like, there weren't, you know, not to say that we didn't exist, but, like, I was the only black girl at, of this generation at that time that was talking about what I was talking about, saying it the way that I was saying it, wearing it the way that I was wearing it, looking the way that I was looking. And to stand out on stage right now, there's no separation between me and my people. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's amazing to see that, like, when you don't have a tribe, you can make it. And, yeah, it took 20 years, but, like, when I stand out on stage now, these people look like me. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're... And not just so much, like, not talking about color or hair, but just the fact that, like, these are a bunch of people that are... We are... It is, an, it, it is the example of this melting pot that, like, that I had it going on in my head anyway. 
you know what I mean? Like, to see it manifest in front of you is definitely pretty epic and pretty crazy. And, like, I know that I can... No one can ever... Like, if I never sing again, no one can ever say that I didn't play a role in that. Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, that's that's really... That's really dope to me. Mm-hmm. Well, for now we'll transition to the food because that's my like that's one of my favorite things. I love food, uh, <laughs> obviously. Um, and you know, when, when the first time I heard that Khalees was you know a chef, I was like, interesting. That's like an inter- interesting choice uh, after you become an you know after you were an artist for so many years. And then I tried her food, and I was just like, this is unreal. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, I've tried like good food, you know, and then he had cooking. me tried, and I yeah. felt the same way. Yeah, and I was just like, and I'm just like. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I was speechless, and I'm not really a speechless type of person. Um, <laughs> no. I'm like speech more type of person. No, I, just keep, I just keep going on and on and on. Um, but, you know, how, does, how do you think music has played a part in the way that you cook and you know, the way you present? I mean, again, I've had your food, and I mean, I could sense that there's truly, um, like, th- there is some sort of emotion in there when you are cooking, whether it's the presentation of it, whether it's what you do with it. Um, how, how do you feel about that? You know, I think that, like, it's funny because it didn't hit me until doing an interview not too long ago. And someone was like, you know, you always use food references in your songs. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> I was like, you I know, mean, the I last album do. was called what, Food? Well, my last album was called Food. But, like, <laughs> you know, then there's Milkshake. And right. my album was called Tasty. And there's a song called Sugar Honey Iced Tea. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are all these food references. I think that... You know, people always say that music is the international language, and being as much as I've toured, I I do agree. Mm-hmm. However, I think that food, if anything were to trump that, I think food definitely surpasses that. I think food is what brings people together. It's what defines us. I think that, um, for me, I feel like as a creative person, it's always been... I think music is extremely selfish. Mm-hmm. I think music is, for me at least, I make music for me. If you don't like it, I can genuinely say I'm, I'm not really bothered. I don't care. I don't make music for you ever. And whereas food, I think, is completely the opposite. Food is extremely communal, first of all. Secondly, it's, it's something that, like, we do it, you know, to every event in our lives is based around every good event. I mean, think culturally, like, you're right, yeah, like, yeah. come on, every wedding, every mm-hmm. graduation, every Everything, yeah. family thing is like, come eat. You, yeah. you can't go to your house without your mom being like, and my yeah. mom is the exact same yeah. way. Like, shut, you're like, I'm not hungry. She's like, what? That's crazy. Yeah. Like, Insulted. No, yeah. she, you came over here, though. Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I didn't go yeah. over to eat. She's yeah, like, please, yeah. eat, you know, and like, that's such a, like, and I think that, like, culturally, so many cultures are like that. I feel like food is it does surpass so many boundaries that for me, it is the ultimate show of love. And it's really, it's not selfish. You know, you cook because you want people to love it. It's not, I wouldn't make something and be like, I don't care if you hate it. Right. Like, it's like, you. I want you to enjoy it and to partake of it and for us to be able to share it. And like, that's such a different thing. Whereas music is very much self-gratifying. I do music because it feels good for me. And if you happen to like it too, that's an extra bonus, but I can't be bothered about that because it is such a self-expression, which I think food is, is different in that sense. I think food is very... Um, you want to break bread with people and it is an international language. I've literally, I've shared more with people about food where we don't even speak the same language than I ever have with music. Mm-hmm. You know, music is more people like responding to me, less about me responding to them. Whereas food, I've been out places where I'm like, I've tasted something that someone else made and I'm just like, right. you, you're like, thank you for this <laughs> yeah. wonderful morsel that I yeah, just yeah. had. You're like, it's such a, different thing you know like it it makes you interact and it makes you 
really human. It's like it's the most humanizing. Some people don't listen to music, you know, and, and you're like, wow, that's so weird you don't listen to music. As a musician, I find that strange. However, that exists. You don't meet people who don't eat. Mm-hmm. Like everybody yeah. has to eat yeah. for survival. Whether well, they How live to it. eat or eat to live. Right. You have I'm a, I'm a live to eat guy. <laughs> oh, I'm totally listen. I mean, like, I'm totally I mean, a live to eat. Let's, guy. let's just be real. Yeah. And but I know people who are definitely like, you know, they kind of like eat to live and you're just sort of like eh. no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you kind of think you can change them. Like, can I turn you? Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. but it's funny. Like, I think that's that's one of the main differences is that everybody eats, and so because of that, there's such a there is a bond I think that we have with mm-hmm. food. And for me, as a as a creator in just in things, I work with my hands. You know, whether I'm writing or I'm cooking or whatever. For me, it's it is about being able to really I guess what's the word the word is not capitalized but it's kind of like really how do I like manifest as much of who I am in this particular moment Mm -hmm. on this plate as I can Mm -hmm. for you to understand my love for this moment I think that's really the best way to put it Mm -hmm. so tell us about some of the you know different arrangements that you've had you know um what you know cooking at events and things like that like what was your maybe your favorite and how's that been well, I think, you know, with food, it's funny because, like like I said, with music, I've got 20 years under my belt, and so there's a level of confidence, and I think um, just, what's the word? People know what they're getting with me, yeah. you know, and I've had, like, 20 years of me being on stage, like, people come to see me, and they kind of, they have an idea of what they're going to get, right? Whereas with food, I think um, people don't know what they're going to get from me, and so there's a, there's a newness about it that's really exciting. I also think... I don't really know what I'm going to get from me sometimes, you know, there's a newness with myself just because I feel like, yeah, with, with music, there's nothing new for me at this point. Like even when I write a new song, it's like, there's a process that's already been put in place within myself that you kind of just work Mm -hmm, out. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas with food, it's still sort of figuring out, it took me, you know, it's funny because I could always cook. My mom's a cook. My mom's a great chef. I remember... It hit me after culinary school because I was like, I don't, you know, people were like, but you could already cook. Why are you going to culinary school? I was like, well, I didn't really have an answer until I got out. And it was Mm -hmm. really the fact that like before I went into culinary school, I cooked like my mom. Right. I was like a little hurt. I didn't really have my own Mm -hmm. style. And when I came out of culinary school, it's when I really got my voice, which I think was really interesting. I I began to understand who I am as a chef and what that looks like and Mm -hmm. what it means. Mm -hmm. And I'm still figuring that out every day, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like. It's still a process, which is really fun. I think that's really mm-hmm. the, for me, it's those moments. Mm-hmm. It's those moments when I do something, again, because I'm still, like, I, you know, I'm still figuring out what is honest for me food-wise, that when I do hit it, I'm like, yo, that's so crazy. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy to see, like, it's funny, like, when I watch my son draw, like, you know, Knight draws mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. to see this eight-year-old, like, he's kind of manifesting who he is yeah. drawing, but to see, like, you know, he's so imaginative and he's eight and he's got all these really huge ideas. And then to see what that looks like for him on paper and even what his response to himself is on paper. It's really interesting. It's that process. You know, I think for myself, sometimes I do things and I'm you know, like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Like, that is so who I am. I'm like, that's why I did that like that. That's so who mm-hmm, I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I didn't even, I couldn't have articulated that yeah. in words or, or in writing, but to see it on this plate, I'm like, yo, that's nuts. Like, it's interesting. You find out something about yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, Khalees, it's actually also interesting that you turn this, I wouldn't call it even a newfound passion because you clearly always had it, but this newfound, you know, you know, thing you were doing into another business. You had the, you have the cookbook, you have now 
you know, all the sauces under the Bounty and Fool line, which by the way, I mean, I go through like maybe like one <laughs> every like three days, you know, it's, 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 it's almost unhealthy at this point, but it's okay. Um, I'm keep, I'm keep, I'm keep, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it going. Uh, but h- how was it like, and I know it's been pretty recent with you, uh, you know, starting Bounty and Fool, but I think it was last year, maybe a little earlier than that, you were basically CEO, COO, CMO, social media. I mean, you were, sure. you were the, you were everything for Bounty and Fool. Uh, so obviously it's not very easy to do that, but how was that experience like for you and, you know, what is the future looking like for Bounty and Fool or just in general, just with food, you know, what do you foresee or what do you hopefully dream of happening with that brand? Well, you know, it's funny, like when I started, I assumed that I could approach it the way I approach everything else. And I, you know, which could not have been further from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my, this sounds retarded now in retrospect, but like at the time you just figure like, well, if you just got the money to do it, you just do it. And like, it'll be fine. Right. Doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. That is not a good business plan at all. <laughs> like I can definitely say that. Um, I think for me. The reason why I ended up doing that, why I was, you know, I would make jokes because like, you know, there was that commercial with the guy that was like, you know, they call and he's like, hold on one second, let me get my customer service. And he's like, hello, he's like, let me transfer you to shipping. And he's like, hey, and like literally that was me. Um, I think it was because <laughs> I felt like... Would you at like, least change your voice or no? Like, I made no attempt at all. Okay, like, okay, to okay. Where, where people be like, is this Khalees? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, your voice is very distinct. Mm. That's a negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's because, you know... I think I messed up so much in the beginning that I really wanted to understand my business. And like the only way that I could do that was to really know all aspects of it. I had to know what the shipping, you know, everything about that. And it sounds stupid, but like the only way that I could really tell someone else how to do it was to do it myself. And same thing with just like the marketing and like all of those things. Like I had no foundation for what I wanted this to look like or what I wanted it to be. And so that's why I ended up just doing it myself. Cause I was like, well, the only way that I'm going to really figure this out is if I just do it, you mm-hmm. know, and so that's what ended up happening. Um, and so now, obviously, like, I'm grateful that I've been able to delegate some of these things to other people. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I definitely had to kind of take over and sort of just do it or else I wouldn't understand it. And this wasn't something like the music where I didn't have to know. All mm-hmm. I had to know mm-hmm. was the music. I had to understand how this worked and, right. like, yeah. you know everything my costs and and why and what I was willing and that's the funny thing too coming from it from a creative perspective like really understanding as an artist I don't sacrifice much you know like I don't have to no one tells me I can't write that because of the cost Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or you know and no one told me I couldn't have that video because of the cost because you know now they do but at the time you know starting out they didn't whereas with sauce and stuff like all these things mattered Mm -hmm. that didn't matter for me before Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know And, and having to kind of get a grasp of that and figure out like picking your battles you know Mm -hmm. right so i mean as much as i love food and i know nurses is the food guy um i'm more the music guy in this in this (laughs) so when's the next album coming out oh man (laughs) i don't know i don't know i mean it's funny like it's kind of been i put records out every three to four years generally so Mm, it's it's about that time (laughs) we're getting that we're in that we're in that zone we're in that zone yeah we're in that zone so 2014 was the last one, right? Yeah, okay. it was. So it, there, well, I'm right on track. I'm right on track. So yeah, so I'm basically like slowly starting to like do a little bit of writing and, and that kind of stuff, and we'll see what happens. We'll see. And I also know, I know, I know, I know. People probably want to hear so much, but and I'm again, like you said, I'm the food guy. So I'm kind of curious about, and I know a little bit, you know, of the insider stuff of what's going on with Khalees. But what 
I know that there's like a project that you're working on uh, where there will be a farm and, you know, different kind of cool stuff there. Uh, so why don't you talk to us about that and, you know, how that's going to be part of your, you know, future. Well, I mean, you know, essentially um, with the cookbook and then like with all the events and stuff I've been doing, like one of the things that really started to, I didn't feel like I was ready a year ago. And in this past year, I kind of felt like I need a restaurant, like I need a space mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. I can actually be creative and mm-hmm. I can do this on a daily basis. And, you know, that being really necessary for me, um, I decided, yeah, I was like, well, how do I do that mm-hmm. in in, in staying with kind of who I am and in the realm of control that I like to have. And so I felt like, you know what, let's, let's, let's do a farm. So we started looking for a farm and we found a property and we're going to start to grow everything and, you know, kind of from, well, obviously all the produce, but milk and cheese and butter and do everything in house so that that way I can really start to, you know, control my, surroundings and my notes and sort of like this is the flavor palette that i've created for myself so that's that's the plan love it i can't wait to try that butter i'm excited some bread and butter (laughs) can't wait i'm excited too well Khalees, thank you for your time i think it's been a great conversation now i'm excited um you know (laughs) for for those that didn't get it we were being sarcastic in the beginning um you know i'm I'm a pretty sarcastic person i know Khalees is too so just wanted to put that out there so people are like why isn't this guy excited about the Khalees interview like what's wrong with him um but yeah exactly thank you so much for your time and you know we can't wait to see what hopefully we can't wait to see the next album in the next 12 months and for what's to come with all the food as well good awesome the 2018 milkshake remix would be pretty cool too with I honestly get stalked about it on a daily basis. My management's like, let's do. That. I want to be featured on that for sure. <laughs> we all. I don't know what I would do. That on adds it. a whole different <laughs> meaning. To their, I'm like, that changes the whole thing. The big thing. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Grace. Thank you guys. I appreciate it.